1: Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. WGR. Here's
2: the American
1: Dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans, welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about... Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty roads in his families. You don't know what hard times are, daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years 20 years, they give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on
0: WGR. Make no mistake, make I recently no found mistake. out that uh, I was almost replaced by a computer. AI. Really? They, you can go, uh, you know, they got these different AI softwares now that have been released to the public. Sure. Um. There's the, they Google has a new chat thing. Goog- yeah, chat G-G-P-T, I sure. think it's called. Absolutely. Um, and you can put in there, like, hey, um... Do a sports talk Saturday segment in, oh God, in the, Nate Geary's voice. Literally
3: the easiest thing to do is to do a sports talk segment in Buffalo, New York through an AI program. Y- correct. Offensive, and just have it spit it offensive out. Offensive line, bad? Phone number.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, welcome everyone. Uh I promise you this is not automated. Uh it it me. Uh I am back. It's been a few weeks. I let Zach uh, grabbed the reins of the show for the last couple of weeks. He filled in admirably. Um, why was Nate yeah. out? Why? 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 Why was he out? Why was Nate out? Actually, I don't know. This is. I can't wait. I What's needed. Um, you know when you love something, sure, you you, you love it a lot. Okay, and um, I've heard about this. You. Th- this is this is exactly right. Right. So you love something a lot, and you you know you you do it for a long time. Like this. That's right. I, I found this out recently. This is going to be.
3: That was the swallow, by the way. Ooh, disgusting. This
0: is my, in July, will be 10 years here at the station. That, oh, choo, boy, buddy. It's terrible news. Correct. Correct. So, what, what has brought
3: us to this fate?
0: Um, Pure coincidence. <laughs> luck, a lot of luck. Um, elbow grease. I s- a lot of elbow grease. What was,
3: I started here in 2004. Woo! So, like, um what was I doing in 2004? Cuz um, it was it was the winter of 2000 it was the winter of 2004. It was right when the season actually ended and going into 2005. Like the, I I started during the NHL lockout
0: here the first one. Okay, so that that makes me 7th grade. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so Woohoo! Avoid um, my fate. Yes. Avoid your fate. What? Being a handsome a handsome man darling behind not, three four computer screens? Not that fate. Oh, Avoid okay. the fate of uh, being here on a Saturday morning. Oh, not, okay. You know what? It's not bad. This is fine. This is fine. For, in terms of like part-time, where it's pretty good. Yeah. Can't you know, be. you get to hang, we get to hang out. Full-time? Absolutely not. Yeah, well, you and I get to hang out, though. Yeah, that's right. So that's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, anyway. um, yeah, 10 years, I, af- after the disappointing end of the Bill season, I decided that I needed to take a little, like, sabbatical. I so, needed, a, some, needed meantime, some time. Some self-care. I, shoo, heard that. Heard that. So yeah, uh, I had been in the midst of Moving and a, you know, just a lot of things going on in my personal life. And then add in the fact that, you know, there was this, you know, sort of jarring moment where I had to be on air for, you know, upwards of an hour and a half um, after the Damar Hamlin situation. Not good. Um, which was a very, just a difficult. Mo, I mean, people that do this job, but do it in a more prominent and do it full time and do all this stuff, right? Like, you don't pr- prepare for moments like that. No. Um And, you know, I I know how I felt about it. I know how it kind of stuck with me for the next couple of weeks. Um... And then I watched the Bills kind of have the residual effects. I know that I feel felt like I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, all I did was all I do is talk on the radio during and after Bills games, before and after, right? I mean, but like right. I, I still was feeling some like residual effects from um, from the. I you know. I, I mean, trauma is a interesting word, but you know, like the trauma of being here, watching this play out on TV, and then you know, having Greg Harvey on the other end said like, Nate, uh, go. Yeah, it's not.
3: It's important to say, like, you're not saying that it's equal to the trauma of what others have faced, but it is a real thing. Oh, yeah. And and often the reason that there are so many issues with mental health is that everybody always says, well, mine's less important than what everybody else has as an excuse to never deal with it
0: at all. And you you talk about that right, and then you 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 kind of maybe sprinkle in how the season ended, where it felt like the team just didn't look like the team.
3: Why? What how how'd it go?
0: Right, it just you know the, the Bengals game. Oh and, oh yeah yeah, mm. and they looked like they. How about this? The the reason that I I I felt very upset and very angry, and you know I was after that game, I'm like you know I'm I was the heads will roll guy. Um, and, you, you? know, I, I, me, I know, I know, since I have always um, a
3: well-reasoned take from I've, Nate Geary.
0: especially in the moment, I, I'm always really good at compartmentalizing. There's one thing I know about Nate Gary:
3: deep breathing. That's what I know from him. He always takes it cool, one uh, step at a time. Cool, calm,
0: and collected. Um, you ever watch Boardwalk Empire? No, but my dad is a, a favorite of my dad's. Okay, I, I've so never...
3: he might get the reference. You're very much Al Capone.
0: Like like the Al Capone?
3: Yeah, the oh. Al Capone, who was okay. a character in Boardwalk Empire. And anybody who's seen it would know what I mean. Like,
0: that's that's your temperament. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. Talk
3: to your dad about it. He'll explain it
0: to Okay. Me. He'll explain it to me. Yeah. Yeah, I said, about like,
3: it. Hey, this guy I know at the radio station, he's kind of a jerk. He says, I'm like Al Capone from Boardwalk Empire. What's that mean? And he'll he'll know exactly what that means. That should freak out
0: a little bit. Sometimes. Yeah. No, I mean. With less firearms. Everyone, everyone needs a good freakout. I just happen to have a microphone in front of me for all of mine. You which also is...
3: chose sports radio, so you are provided many opportunities to do. I'm, With I'm that not skill. like
0: Mad Dog, you know, where I'm just like angry about everything, <laughs> though. You know, like. I mean, l- listen, I'm close, but I'm not this is what sports
3: dog. give us. Sports, go- And you weren't the only one I would respectfully like to point out. Oh, this yeah, season yeah. was just everybody losing their mind when the Bills are down three in the second quarter.
0: Uh, it was, and, and part, partially I think a lot of that had to do with the expectations the Bills had this season. There just was an elevated level of expectations. And, you know, there's, I see guys that I follow, right? And, and let's – some guys that are here in the local sports scene, you know, and, and I think I saw this tweet. It was a John Waro tweet. I like John. John had a tweet – Um, something along, now I'm paraphrasing, I could look it up, but Twitter is right in front of me, but I'm lazy and I won't do that. Um, So I'll paraphrase instead and probably get it wrong. Um, But it was essentially along the lines of like, everyone wants to see people fired, heads rolling, and and all these dramatic changes when, you know, they weren't guaranteed to win a Super Bowl and they weren't, you know, there wasn't this level of guarantee and like the Bills fans deserve, uh, again, paraphrasing, but I viewed that and and I thought about that and and I sort of am in this weird place about the Bills right now. And, And, you know, by the way, I should have probably set the stage by telling people, you know, like who's going to come on the show with me today. I'm rusty; it's been a couple of weeks, right? So let me set the stage and then get back to my vibes about uh, John Waro's tweet a couple of days ago and and kind of my thoughts about the Bills and where they are and how they move forward on this. 11:30 coming up here, you know, we switch gears. We'll we'll bing, bang, boom all throughout the show. We've got Joe Yarden coming up at 11:30 at noon. My my buddy Matt Verderam, a fan sided, big Chiefs fan. We're gonna kind of talk to him about. The last couple of weeks, what it's what this run has been like, and you know um, the Chiefs. I guess that's really all I got to say about that. And then uh, you've got Bruce Nolan, my my good pal Bruce from uh, Buffalo Rumbling's. He's going to join us at twelve thirty, and then at one o'clock, another good friend of mine, Jeff Medes, is going to join me. He is a co-host of Tea to Green, which will. Um, Is one week away. Yeah, coming back, baby. One week away from starting here on WGR 7 to 8 a.m. each morning. It's really good radio. Two, two, uh, well, yeah, two-hour shows during the majors. Uh, And the golf season is kind of, quote, in full swing. Uh Oh, Christ. Can we get Zach back? Is it too late? No, no, no. It's way too late. Yeah, it's way too late. Listen, I heard your musings. I heard you guys talking. I was sitting in the parking lot one day uh, getting all my stuff, moving my stuff up in my apartment, talking about, you know... George Washington, and you just this became a history lesson. And I said, you know, when I come back, I am putting a stop <laughs> no, to these hot takes. Absolutely not! I need to get right back to it's hot takes. Disgusting! This is terrible. The last thing I want to hear about is you know the Hudson River, circa 1784. You this jerk talking sakes. about
3: the Habsburgs
0: on the radio? Uh, that's not right. in my town. Not in my town. Not on my show. Um, so yeah, that's the rundown of who we got today. But I want to go back um, and and continue thinking about and talking about this this where where the bills sort of go for here and vibes what, vibes what, vibes. The idea that there's this term that I think it's way overused. In, in every walk of life, this term gets overused, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in school, whether it's at work. Accountability. Hmm. It's the worst word because it's so broad and it's often used in this way of uh, it's negative, right? Like accountability. Someone is holding you accountable. And it becomes this sort of negative connotation, and then you talk about, I think this has been the thing about the Bills, to me, over the last mm, two years, is the word accountability and how I want to apply it to the disappointment of the last two seasons. Because the disappointment has been palpable, maybe no—I mean, at its peak, it was 13 seconds, and then last year was a very different kind— of disappointment, right? To, to end the season the way they did, looking so darn helpless against a Bengals team that sure is good, but they weren't that much, they weren't that much better than you. And they showed that they were kind of that much better than you. So I think that there's a little, there, there's a different level of disappointment between a fluky, how much of that actually was a fluke? I don't know, right? And how about the term accounting, accountability being used last year, right? After 13 seconds, what happened? They fired their special teams coordinator. They, whether they want to acknowledge this or not, admitted that some of, if not all of, the blame for those 13 seconds fell on the shoulders of a special teams coordinator. And was that kick into the end zone part of it? Sure. Sure. Was the lack of communication to the kicker having him making sure he kicked that and kept that inbounds and didn't, did not go into the end zone? Is that does that fall on the special teams coordinator? Yeah, a little bit. But then it sort of ignores the other things that happened in that game. And sometimes you can view failure in a vacuum and you view isolate one thing and realize that or maybe don't realize that there are multiple facets to failure it's not just one thing that goes wrong it is a lot of times multiple things that go wrong right i mean you talk about everyone all week at least people that i follow on twitter no one in the government has talked about it but this train derailment in 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 ohio mm-hmm. right that has, Poisoned the water supply, has all this stuff. The EPA says, oh, you're good, but really it looks like a very terrible situation that's that's playing out. But it's not just that in 2017 regulations were rolled back. That is That is part of the problem, but that is being isolated as the issue. Mm. It is that policy is the issue of why that train derailed. But there are... A lot of things that went into the the failure of that moment, right? We know if you've seen any videos since this whole thing has gone out, they they show a train coming down the track, and you see the tracks as they stand moving, and they're like sideways and, and, and bent, and like you're like, there's no way this is 2023, and that's what a train track that has industrial liquids being moved on, and, and that's where we are, right? So part of what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to relate this to is – these moments of failure have very have a lot of pieces to it. there's a lot of layers to the failure and I think when you look at thirteen seconds, you get people isolate that moment into like different areas, which is you know them running prevent defense when they had timeouts and they were giving them the middle of the field right I mean two plays and then boom, they kicked the field goal and then obviously the kickoff and just all of the there, there are several Moments, Sean McDermott taking a timeout and then coming out, and the defense was not still prepared to to, to defend it properly. Like these these things in a vacuum, all have their moments because it felt like it happened in slow motion. Right, right. It was 13 seconds, but it felt like a lifetime. Whereas two couple Sundays ago, at home in a game that would have put you in a situation to play the Chiefs, and does anybody really feel like the Bills were going to beat the Chiefs? I, I don't know. Um, but I digress. That, that That's kind of another story to this. And that game felt a lot like 13 seconds in that it felt like a lifetime. It just felt – the it was slow-moving. It felt like you were in slow motion from the first play. You just felt like – and you know me. You know me. I tweet things out in the middle of the first quarter. I'm like, oh, well, this game's over. I tweeted that out. The Bengals game did feel, feel and I,
3: a lot different.
0: I felt like people – when, when I said, this game's over, a lot of people were like, usually I get the, come on, Nate, it's the first quarter, This The Bears relax. game had
3: that uh-huh. energy at the start, uh-huh. which was like, oh God, they're they're in a game with the Bears, come The Bengals game was magnitudes different.
0: Yes. Because it was home. Because of the implications.
3: Because of the nature of the opponent. The nature
0: of the opponent. and who because,
3: it was. Yep. And because of, honestly, the fact that the fans and the team both, everything began to pile up.
0: That's right. And you got Demar Hamlin there, back at his first game, and uh, right, just just everything that that game was. And and so what happened for me is midway through the third quarter, I packed up my stuff, put my put my you know laptop in my backpack. I said my goodbyes to the regulars in the booth. I'll see you next year, guys. See you next year. See you next year. You know, I, and nobody was like, Nate, come on, you know, sit down. Like everyone's like, all right, yep, see you next year. You know, it just was, there was a level of disappointment in that game. But this one, that game had so many layers of failure from start to finish, from coaching to to Josh Allen, which yeah. just wasn't really something that I think a lot of people prepared for. It was for Josh to not play well in that game. And then who do you blame? Do you blame the coordinator? Do you blame Josh? Do you blame fatigue? Do you blame the elbow? Um, so everyone's looking for this accountability. Who is to blame? And then the team fires their safety's coach, so I guess where I'm coming around on all this uh, on on these broad changes and you know should should the bills be trying to make changes and I, I I guess it's not an easy question to answer, but I will tell you that this is two years in a row to me anyways that this coaching staff appears to have fallen short and has not not only not helped their team, have not propped them up in a way to get them to the next level, they've been one of the core prints one of the core reasons that they didn't advance, that they lost because of coaching decisions. And, you know, obviously 13 seconds has isolated coaching decisions in the moment. That's a little different to me than what happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Is you can isolate coaching decisions within a game and you have in the course of a game, you have 120 plays. There's a lot of opportunities for stuff to go wrong in the course of a game. I I won't always hold that against people, but it's the moments in which they happened, in the waning moments of a game, and the stage that it was, and the performance you got from your quarterback. Your quarterback, and this was always the thing for me that has frustrated me about the conversation around Josh, right? Well, Josh doesn't have an All-Pro. Josh doesn't have an MVP. Josh doesn't have a Super Bowl appearance. Burrow does. Mahomes has now two Super Bowls. Burrow has a Super Bowl appearance. He's got an AFC championship under his belt. Mm-hmm. That won on him last year, two years ago, whatever it was at this point. I guess we can call it two years ago now. Yep, it is two years ago. Um, he played one of the greatest playoff games ever, Period. Like ever. Mm-hmm. And his coaching staff failed him in thir- with 13. I mean, how many times in the NFL will we ever see a team blow it like that? It is. Oh man, just the, I'm sorry that we're talking about 13 seconds, the, but the different nature, but it's the different
3: natures of how it ends. Like the yeah. not only the 13 seconds, but the, the previous year when the Bills lost to the Chiefs in the division round. Yes. The the nature of that game where you have. The AFC
0: Championship game.
3: um, Yeah. When you have have nature, when you have different moments where you can point to it and say, like, if this had gone differently, they would have won the game. In the Bengals game, there is none of that.
0: No. But the Bengals game at times did feel a little bit like the AFC Championship game of three years ago, where you're just like, they're better than you.
3: Right, are better than. But you. even to be devoid of a puncher's chance, yeah, which that 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 championship game did not feel totally like you were devoid of a puncher's chance. No, it felt like, come on, you can do this, you can do this, and it, it, you never hit the gear. Yeah, the the nature of the Bengals' loss that they suffered this year is very different than the challenges they had previously faced, and I think it's why we hear them sounding different, like especially Stefan Diggs, who's been very open with, yes, you know, the nature of that loss. I mean, it's they
0: were. They just weren't there. No. And they had never not shown up. But that, like, really, ever. Yeah. one like There's one game that comes to mind in the Sean McDermott era where they just didn't show. It was just a complete no-show. That Saints game from 2017. Sure. Where I think the Saints ran for 300 yards against the Bills.
3: Right. And even where, like, the, the, you can point to the Colts game where they ran yeah. over. You can sure. point yeah. to
0: the Jags game where it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe they're going to lose this
3: stupid game. But, like, nothing... With the stakes of the game they played against the Bengals to just never arrive in the stadium.
0: Yeah, and I think I, the reason partially that I go back to two years ago in 13 seconds is because when you isolate how good that team was playing in that, how good the offense was playing in the playoffs and to end that season, that's how teams that win Super Bowls play at the end of a season, yeah. how they play in the first couple of weeks of, of, of the playoffs. and. The first round game I think maybe should have opened more eyes than it did. Yeah. Because they should have lost to Skylar Thompson. <sighs> I mean, Jalen Waddell had four real four put him count on the them. Count them four. Yeah, really bad drops. At- in that game. atrocious drops. Terrible drops. Yeah, Ban- he catches into different game. Dolphins fans
3: have a real right to look at that game and be yeah. like, just a little bit different. Yeah, just a little bit different. Hundred percent. And they had they would have had better Moxie against the Bengals than the Bills did. Yep, that might have been a game. Honestly, might have been.
0: But just tough to. That's a that's a tough pill to swallow. But. You know, so it's the it's, truth. It's, it is the truth. Would the Dolphins have given the Bengals a better game than the Bills did? I think just about anybody would have gave the Bill, get uh, have gave the Bengals a better game than the Bills. The Bills didn't show, and their coaches set them up to fail. I mean, and that's is that that's fair the reality? But is that fair? Because considering
3: everything that team went through, like the nature of them missing home games, the nature of like the Bengals game Three being games, canceled. twelve
0: days. I mean, it was there was a lot there. Were, this season had so many different pitfalls within right. it.
3: And I mean, there have been teams that, like, there were teams that had their t- seasons moved due to hurricanes. Sure. The natural yeah, disasters, yeah, yeah. right? Like, this has ha- has happened to the Saints. It's not unprecedented. It's, it's, it, the, the natural disaster that they faced is not unprecedented, but it's also just as impactful. Like, the city wasn't destroyed, but there was loss of life. Yeah, like, It was a serious event that took place in the city that did damage to it. And then also, on top of that, to almost watch your friend die on the field. Yeah. These are two separate events that one affects one team, one season. One affects
0: a team another season. Yeah. The Bills
3: had it happen in, in both, in, both one season. in quick succession, yes.
0: and you know you missed Christmas with your family.
3: I no person should be expected to endure the level of adversity that team faced. Agreed, and look fine. But can I say this?
0: Sure. Is you can say whatever he wants on the radio, except for I, swearing. I got the swear. button. If you swear, I, I won't do that. There's a lot of things I think we could have as a fan base accepted about losing that game, right? Players just didn't have it. Fine. But the coaching staff, to me, this is, this is to me the, the thing that I have a tough time getting over, which is if they had called the perfect game, if they had put them in, in the best possible positions to be successful, to win, and it looked they looked prepared to stop the Bengals offensively, they looked prepared against what they knew was going to be exotic blitz looks and a lot of different, um, different pre-post-snap looks from Lou Anaruma, who's a really good defensive coordinator, had they looked prepared, had they looked like they were setting their players up for success and the Bills and the players simply did not show because of everything we're talking about, I think all of us would have said, Wasn't our year. Wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't our time. But I think I do, and maybe not everyone agrees with me on this, but to watch that defense go out there and, and I kept, I've been talking about blueprints for a couple of weeks now. It said it on my podcast. Because you're just a huge Jay-Z guy. Huge Jay-Z guy. Right. But the reason I talk about blueprints is I go back to how the Dolphins were defended. And and I've talked about this before. I probably talked it on here on this station. But the way that the Dolphins were defended in three consecutive games leading up to the Bills game, not the not the playoff game, but their second, uh, second regular season game at home, right? It was the Chargers, it was the 49ers, and it was the Packers in consecutive weeks. The Chargers had so many injuries to their defense. The Chargers were playing a skeleton crew on defense in that game. What did they do? They put a blueprint together on how to stop Tua. We're going to literally turn ourselves to the sidelines and say, you are not coming in the middle of this field. This is not where you're going to do damage against us. This is not where you're going to operate. The next week, what did the, what did the 49ers do? They used the blueprint that the Chargers used to slow down to Tua of Viola. What'd they do? They made them look pretty lame. They did the exact same thing. The third week was the Green Bay Packers, right before the, they played the Bills. What'd the Green Bay Packers do? They followed the blueprint that the 49ers... And the Chargers laid out on how to stop Tua. what the Bills do? They gave up 29 points, which they hadn't scored more than 21 in three straight weeks. They decided, we're going to run what we do. We're going to do what we do. And we're not going to use the blueprint that three consecutive teams used to slow down Tua in the offense. So for me, I look at that as an example of This is a copycat league. How many times do you hear that? This is a copycat league. They didn't use it. They didn't copy. They decided they wanted to do their thing. They gave up 29 points. They almost lost that game. They should have probably lost that game. At home, in the cold. After the Dolphins were talking smack all week. Let's go to Denny. Uh, Denny, you're on uh, Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome, Denny.
2: Oh, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Uh, So I was thinking... Leslie Frazier definitely did not put his best foot forward, but we went into a game against two wide receivers that would blow the top off of a defense. And for years with Micah Hyde and Poyer on the back end, there was nothing any team could ever do. So we were going in back end that way. Plus with Bond Miller missing, it was just giving Burrow all the time in the world. So, I humbly disagree that if we called the perfect plan, that we had the personnel on the field to do what we need to do. Uh, My last point is just the emotion of the season from choose love all the way through moving games, what happened to Kim and obviously Hamlin. I think this team was just spent, you know, I was spent and I didn't play a single (laughs) down. So um, I give them a pass on this year. You can have that Leslie Frazier conversation, though. That's definitely fair. But uh, thanks for taking my call.
0: Yeah, thanks, Denny. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, and I guess bringing the Kim McCoola point in, too. I mean, that's it's your team owner, who we found out now is in, you know, I mean, it was much more serious than maybe we originally considered, right? But, again, it just kind of goes to the point of how many things sort of happened to this team this year. But I get it. Injuries happen. The Bengals were without three of their starting offensive linemen. I didn't really hear them use that as an excuse. And I'm not saying, Denny, you're using the injuries as an excuse. I actually think the, the Daquan Jones injury was actually bigger than, than missing Von Miller in that game. They, they had zero answers in the inside. They did whatever they wanted against the Bills' defensive line. They could create no pressure. And honestly, but, Jordan Phillips not being right. But part of being a coach, especially a coordinator, is when you don't have your fastball, when you don't have your number 1 pitch, when you're missing guys in the lineup, you got to change some things. You can't just expect that, even though this team for the last two years has been lauded as the team with the, some of the best depth in the league. You can't necessarily accept expect a banged up Jordan Poyer and Dean Marlowe, and at a certain point Jaquan Johnson, because Dean Marlowe or I'm sorry Jordan Poyer left the game with injury, to do the things that Hayden Poyer did when they're at their peak, and that's how the defense is sort of like. That, to me, is the biggest concern about Leslie Frazier moving forward.
3: But, uh, in all fairness to Leslie Frazier, that language comes from the coach. That comes from McDermott. Next sure. man up. like if, Sure. If, but if the next man ain't good, your next man but up philosophy doesn't It's not f- even about the work.
0: next nine guy not being good. It's just, hey, this is not what we normally have. So why would I consider running what I normally have against this defense and, or against this offense? And for me, everyone points at that one clip, and it's third and four, and every defensive back is like eight yards off the line of scrimmage. That was egregious. I mean, that, that's the easiest example to point to, but there are so many other things from that game. And blitzing, even though all week, all week in the lead-up, you watch the, Beng- you watch the Bengals, uh, uh, Bengals and Ravens game from the week before. Ravens should have won that game. Should have won that game. They blitzed in the second half when the offensive linemen all went down. They blitzed 4% of the time. The Bills, just on dropbacks, blitzed 26%. That doesn't count how many times they blitzed when they just turned around and handed the football off. They blitzed against the guy you don't blitz against. And it's because you're trying to manufacture pressure. You weren't getting to Burrow with Lawrence Taylor and Prime Von Miller.
3: I don't think you can separate Frazier from McDermott here.
0: I I don't disagree with you at all. So, so
3: like, the criticism that is leveled at Frazier for, like, well, how can this defense look that way and sound that way? You think McDermott ain't in the meetings? Especially for this game. You think he ain't standing there figuring it knowing what the plan's going to be? I I agree. That plan got through his desk with a stamp on it. Yeah. So, if you don't like the plan or it's like, wow, they look really
0: unprepared. What's this execution? Talk to the boss. He could have stopped it. Well, the boss, you know, and as much as I like Sean, 13 seconds. Didn't want to talk about it. And I'm not saying the criticism Frazier is not deserved. Warranted, sure. It's just
3: that there are two people in that room on defense especially. Like, if you're criticizing Dorsey for how that offense functioned, like, that is a criticism I think leveled solely at Dorsey. Yes. Because, because that he's, is not McDermott's specialty. Yep. Um,
0: defense is. This is his. This is his defense. It's his scheme. It is his scheme. Yeah. It's everything, so guess who owns it? All right. Let's get one more quick call before we take a time out. Jerry and Kenmore. Jerry, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome to you.
4: Uh, welcome, Jerry. Hey. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, you know what? One of the things that uh, blueprint-wise, you're talking. New England and Kansas City have given us the blueprint. And once you get that franchise quarterback, and he takes up twenty percent of your cap, your draft is your lifeline. Yeah. Stop looking at trades. Stop being looking at free agency. <coughs> New England traded back for a reason all the time because they needed multiple draft picks. What did Kansas City lead the league in this year? Rookie games played. Mm. That's not a coincidence. That is the blueprint. Anybody that wants us to trade up and lose another pick is crazy. We need between eight and nine picks every year, not just the standard seven if you're going to compete with that quarterback taking up 20% of your salary. And I want to make one more point about this whole running back thing that I see in every mock draft. Sean McDermott doesn't even use the term third and manageable anymore. You know why? Good teams make first downs on first and second down. That's Mm -hmm. what this league is. Cincinnati had one third down on those first two drives. You know how you get into third and manageable? By running the ball. And that's how you lose games in this league. There's, the best running backs in this league gain five yards a carry. The worst passing offenses average six yards per attempt. Just think about the math. Yeah. There's no good reason to run the ball hardly ever.
0: No, I agree, Jerry. Listen, I mean, the, the math does. I mean, that's that's been something I know that Mike Shope here at the station has talked about for a long time, which is the math just checks out that throwing the football is far more valuable than running it. But I, I, you'll never hear me say the Bills lost that game because they didn't run the football enough. and They, they didn't win a Super Bowl because they don't run the football enough. People will say that, but I won't. But I think it's to be said that, like, yeah, the Bills lost that game because they weren't present. They weren't present. They didn't prepare well, and they had, didn't have a good game plan. And what, which really... was
3: intimated by the players themselves. Yeah. Like, we prepared badly. We didn't have the ju- we didn't have the juice that week.
0: Yeah, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Thanks for the call, Jerry. Thanks for the call, Denny. Timeout. Other side. Joe Yurden joins the program. We'll talk some Sabers. They get underway tonight as well uh, here on WGR. So uh, don't go anywhere. Joe Yurden coming up next here on WGR.
1: New WGR apparel has dropped at WGR550shop.com. Shop for t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Get your hands on a Sal Capaccio song t-shirt at WGR550shop.com. Is the free Odyssey app. Download it today and listen to us anytime, anywhere. Brought to you by Value Home Centers for the do-it-yourselfer in you.
0: Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Chugging along here this morning. Nick Erie, Corey Griswold, joining us on the Western Hotline. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Joe Yurden, who joins us on the Western Hotline. Joe, good morning to you. Um, happy Saturday. Oh, Thanks, Nate. Happy Saturday to you. Let me be the uh, first. to uh, Am I the first to wish it to you? Oh, uh, well, publicly, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Privately. Definitely not. I mean, there's a line of folks wishing you a happy Saturday. So it's it's true.
5: I mean, it's uh, I mean the phone's ringing off the hook. I'm glad you're actually able to get through. <laughs> I, I got to say,
0: you are a hard guy to get a hold of. I'll tell you. Yeah. You know, it just there's there, there's always something with you, Joe. You're just a popular guy in a small town, and that's you know that's 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 a that's a burden that you. Can-
5: You know what? I I wear it proudly, though. It's, uh, you know, it's the least I could do for the people.
0: That's exactly right. I mean, just just show a little skin every once in a while. We appreciate it. Um, You know, you got to do what you got to do. Joe. Maybe. uh, West Coast, I guess we could start with the Sabres. We'll we'll talk some Sabres here. Um, The West Coast swing, um, it starts at home. Obviously, I mean, I I was there on on Saturday last week, um, and they get sort of just – bombarded in that game I mean that was a tough game to watch especially because you were after the first period being there I said "They got two goals on three shots I feel like that's not like that doesn't happen a lot certainly that when you're looking at that you're like okay this isn't sustainable they're gonna have to do something in the second period and then they literally the Flames score seven straight goals and like that's that and that's the game um the, the Kings game, I didn't get to stay up for the entire thing. I didn't really have to. It also didn't really feel like a super close game. And then, like, the Ducks game was back and forth. They get a lead. They lose a lead. Then they take it back. What do you make of this team sort of in this run that they're in now? I mean, they go off, they get they get off the schneid. They get off a four-game losing streak. But it just feels like this team, and, and maybe you we can just equate it to something as, as simple as youth and inexperience. Um, but there is a lot of highs and lows with this team.
5: Yeah. yeah, And you know, I, I think that's to be expected, honestly. I mean, it, you have a team this young, it's, you're going to have these, these peaks and valleys and it's something that the coaches want to eliminate. Some of the players want to eliminate too. They want, but he wants to be even keel. Right. And it's, it's tough to do. It, it, it can be tough to do when there's, there are things that they're working, working through and figuring out as the season goes along and, Uh, You know, that goes, you know, it goes with, you know, finding out where your players best fit, who your best combos are, uh, you know, how your goaltending is going to get, is going to settle down. If it settles down, uh, you know, your defensive play, all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's all stuff you're, you're figuring out as the season goes along. I mean, it's it's not like this is a, this is a veteran group that's been together forever. They're just kind of going through the motions. This is, this is a young team finding, finding their, their feet really and going along. And I, you know, th- to me, you know, the, the streaks like this it's kind of what they are. Um, you know, the highs are so high, but the lows feel, you know, like you're at the, at the bottom of the pit, you know, that's, that's the way it goes with the group. But uh, you know, are they as bad as the lows? No. Are they as great as the highs? No. Um, it's just the highs give you an idea of what this team can be, be like. Yeah. Right, uh, you know, down the road. I, I don't think the lows show you that how bad it can be because, like, honestly, we've seen so much Must worse. <laughs> we've seen so much worse over the years. So, I, I I don't really look at it as, you know, and I know you know fans fans always are going to take the losses really hard, uh, but when you know it's, you know, I, I chalk up these games that you know I think of the Carolina game before the break. Well, you know, it's the last game before the break against one of the best teams in the NHL. Yeah, that'll happen. Uh, the Calgary game. I mean, Calgary had played maybe the game of the season against New York two nights before, and the Sabres are coming back from having a week and a half off. Yep. So, you know, they're, you know, Calgary's coming in a little bit angry, and they're tested and they're ready, which I, I think the NHL could do a better job of scheduling games like that, maybe put two teams that were off for a week and a half against each other right out of the breaks. But, uh, you know, and L.A. is really good. Uh, it, and the score isn't really indicative of – really of how that game went. Uh, Sabres played pretty well for, for about 30 minutes of that game. Uh, it's just, you know, you fall asleep for about a 10-minute span, and boom, there's four goals past you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's things like that that can happen. You know, I mean, We've seen it happen a little bit maybe more recently where, you know, one goal turns into three really quick. Uh, and that's, but that's the kind of stuff you want to eliminate, but that's the emotional highs that, highs and lows that a young team can go through.
0: Yeah, and like speaking of highs and lows, like you, you know tonight, ten thirty, the, the Sabers will play the Sharks, and in a game that I feel like, you know, the, the Sabers probably absolutely one hundred percent have to win if the conversation <laughs> continues for the next two weeks, because this next this this schedule over the next two weeks, short of the Blue Jackets, uh, Tuesday, February twenty eighth, it's the Maple Leafs, Lightning, Panthers, Capitals, and then that Blue Jackets game, Bruins, Lightning, Oilers. Islanders, Stars, Rangers, Maple Leafs, Capitals. I mean, that is mm-hmm. as that is the. You're either going to be sinking or swimming after that Capitals game, going into the Flyers game, or going into Philadelphia, March seventeenth, like where St. Patrick's Day is. Like this might be. I mean, it is. This is the hardest stretch of hockey this team is going to play all season long. Is five hundred a huge win?
5: Oh yeah no this this is the gauntlet right now once they get home this is this is absolutely the gauntlet because that every single one of those teams except for Columbus uh is either in the race or are going to be playoff teams like there's you know there there's no doubt about that and you know i i just you go through each of those teams like toronto yeah they they've played really well against toronto the last few years like that's okay cool uh edmonton same thing like they beat them earlier this season that's good um but the, but it's the games with the Caps, the Islanders, yep. the Panthers. Like those are those are your playoff games right now. Um, th- those are the ones you got to win. I mean, you know Tampa. I mean man, Tampa's had their number for what you know six years now. That's yeah, a long time. running. Yeah. So I, you know I, it, that that that's one where if you can come away with one in Tampa, boy, that's that's a nice setup. Uh, but a back to back with Tampa and and Miami, like ugh, it's it's tough. It's really tough, but uh but if they but but 500 over that stretch uh would be an incredible accomplishment but the but does me, it keep the them win... alive
0: though joe does does 500 does that does that keep them alive
5: it, i i want to say that it will because i have to think that some of those games in hand are going to be involved there um you know the games in hand that they have on the the islanders and the capitals at least you know i mean you got to beat the capitals you have to beat the islanders you have like those are the games you got to have you have to beat florida like yeah. those, those are the ones you have to have. If you lose to Edmonton or Toronto, like okay, stinks. But you know Edmonton's hot. Toronto is you know Toronto's one of the best teams in the East. So uh, and they just, just got a bit better last night. It certainly so, did. Um, so I you know it's uh, it, it, it keeps them it keeps them in the race. Uh, and, you know and a lot depends on what happens with the teams around them, but it, it doesn't knock them out. Certainly uh, it, it keeps it keeps them hanging around, but. I mean, you obviously need points. And, you know, I, I don't – if you look at the standings now and you're seeing, oh, geez back by a few. It's like, well, yeah, but let's see what happens when they make up those games and see where they're standing then. But, um, but yeah, I, I, to me, 500 over that stretch would be an, an incredible feat. That would be an outstanding accomplishment. And I think that would really rally the group together because, I mean, that's it's daunting. That's, that's an absolutely brutal part of the schedule.
0: He's the man, the voice, the, I don't know, uh, the ghost writer. No, I mean, you're not really a ghost writer. But (laughs) of the noted hockey substack, he's also on the Maintenance Day podcast. You can check out his work at Bleach Report as well. Joe Yurden here joining me on the Western Hotline. So you mentioned that, you know, Toronto gets a little better yesterday. They make a big trade last night with, um, it's actually technically a three-team trade between Minnesota, St. Louis, and Toronto. And Toronto ends up with a familiar face in Ryan O'Reilly. Um you know what? Listen, though, Joe, when I think of Toronto, I think of a team that desperately needs more forwards. That seems to really be their problem. But in <laughs> fairness, if you're going to ask, if you're going to say what kind of forward do they need heading into the playoffs? Like what's a guy that might be able to get them over that first round hump? Maybe it's a two way you know, forward like Ryan O'Reilly. But at this point in his career, he hasn't played much hockey this year because of injury. Mm-hmm. What are What are the Maple Leafs getting there? And like, is this really the mover that you think it might be?
5: Yeah, to me, well, I, I, I don't know. I see a team that has Austin Matthews and John Tavares as their top two centers, and you're putting Ryan O'Reilly now in as their number three. Yeah, that's a good point. It's that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's decent. It's decent. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, and, and O'Reilly had been playing in a top six role for St. Louis this season, uh, essentially. And St. Louis has had a pretty rough year. And O'Reilly's numbers have not been good. Uh, it's certainly not the kind of numbers a guy in a contract year wants to have. Uh, but the situation in Toronto is, is a fair bit different than it is in St. Louis. Um, and, uh, you know, once Matthews is back in their lineup and they're able to roll those three guys out there and Noel Chari a nice pickup for them too. Cause he's a, he's a, a pain in the butt uh, kind of player. Like that's, that's the exact kind of guy. The, the Leafs have sort of needed really. But, uh, and I know this is not, nothing at all what anybody in this city wants to be hearing, but I, I like the pickups, you know, I'm a big O'Reilly mark anyway, so uh, so I, I figured wherever he went, that was going to be a boost. But I mean, geez, he, it's going to be basically a, like a hometown setup for him. Like, and yeah, you know, right. It's it's a, it's a team loaded with captains, you know, former captains elsewhere. Or, or you know, Tavares is obviously the captain now. But uh, but I think it's like the third straight year they've added somebody who was who used to be a captain for a team. So. Uh, it's a bold move. I mean, it, it makes sense for Toronto, but boy, oh, boy! I mean, Kyle Dubas is in a is the, the GM is in a lame duck situation. Like his contract's up after this year, so he's kind of emptying the chambers here to, to to go for it. And the thing is, they already know who they're playing in the first round of the yep.
0: playoffs. And it's, We've it's, known yeah. it for what two months now, <laughs> pretty much. And you know, and they haven't beaten them
5: in the last what two years, two three years. So it's it's asking. You're you're loading up to beat one team, and then yeah, you're right. probably playing Boston in the next round. Yeah, good luck. So, you know, <laughs> so, so it's it's loading up a lot. But I mean, for for the Leafs, it's it's a, it's a different kind of drought for them. Like they haven't won a playoff series since what 04? Jeez. Oh yeah, 2004. So you know, when when the Sabers get to claim they've won a playoff series more recently than the Maple Leafs, that's uh, it's not great.
0: Yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I think that kind of leads me to a good way to wrap up this segment, Joe, which is. You know, with the trade deadline kind of bearing down, I, I think this is the question that every Sabres fan is talking about at the bar, out with their buddies, at a you know at a kid's birthday party around the table drinking a beer, and you're all like, well, who who should the Sabres trade for? Should the, should Kevin Adams make a trade? Should we talk about it? Should we just forget about it? Like these are sort of things that I think right now everyone is sort of mulling over, like where the Sabres stand and how you go from here, how you build the rest of the team for this year, and I think most people expect Kevin Adams to stand pat. I think there's another faction of the fan base that thinks like maybe there's a really small move for a third pair defenseman, some depth at the blue line that could be made. And then I think there's, you know, almost no one sitting around thinking some sort of trade for, you know, a Ryan O'Reilly type is happening out there, blockbuster, so to speak. So with that, like where do you stand on will they and or should they?
2: The the should
5: they part is 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 more interesting to me because it depends on where where adams and granado and and even you know terry Pagula feels where they are in the playoff race if they feel that there's somebody there that they can add that could also play into their future uh i think that's i think that's a move that they would that they would make uh which kind of opens up the the windows of possibilities of guys because you could say like well you know we could trade this guy and this guy and get this other guy and he'll be here for you know the next however long uh i think that's where a lot of the team Meyer hope mm, comes into play because yeah. you know he's he's rfa after the summer you have to pay him but if you've got an idea of where he goes in the lineup and which guys you can maybe uh move ahead without or you feel like might be better off uh elsewhere or whatever you know what have you if and that to me that that's that's where it gets really hard because I don't know that, you know, which guys, cause I mean, it's going to be young players. It'll be picks, whatever. Uh, I don't think they really understand yet where a lot of those young guys are or fit in or what they're going to become. And the guys that are more interesting to San Jose are probably the guys they don't want to give up. Yeah. So, right. Um, that, that to me makes it uh, a lot more difficult to make a play for that. Now, you know, if, if there's a defenseman out there to be had, that can help fix or not fix, but, Hope solidify str- yeah. right can make the pk stronger uh then maybe that's that's a move you make or if maybe i, I don't know if they're forward's a tough one because i mean who, who are you bumping out yeah right you know i and listen i know fans have like a list of about three or four guys that they would love to bump out for you know for somebody else but uh but i just don't see that being a move that that happens really i especially up front i just don't see that happening but uh, but you know the PK could use some help. I know, you know power play goes up and down, so whatever. But um, but yeah, if if you're going to address something, it's it's really it's it's the special team side of things, and that's a really tough spot to you know you're kind of micro shopping at that point uh, if you're trying to fix one spot in the lineup or one spot of your game. But um, it's it's really interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see how Adams does this. It, you know, I, I did a piece for Noted Hockey looking at uh, his, you know, the trades he's made in the past. Basically, everything he's done has been something where it's, you know, it made sense and it was like, yeah, this is a move you have to make sure. at this point in time. There isn't really a move he has to make right now, but um, but if he feels like he owes it to the team to give him a little bit of a jump, a little bit of an extra, you know, uh, not incentive, but just you know, somebody else to kind of help things along, then you know, maybe that's maybe that's something he can do.
0: Joe, I appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, enjoy the game this evening, and uh, you and I will be in short touch. I can uh, I can assure you that.
5: Absolutely, you got it, Nate.
0: All right, buddy. Joe Yerdin there on our Wester hotline, of course, of the noted hockey Substack. You can check him out on his Maintenance Day podcast, and also over at Bleacher Report. All right, we're gonna take a timeout. We got two quick breaks to get to on the other side. We'll hear from Matt fan fanside. We'll talk some Chiefs, the future, the now what it looks like for Kansas City as they continue celebrating their Super Bowl victory. I'm Nate Geary. That's Corey Griswold. We've got more of Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. All the sports, news, music, news, and podcasts you want are all on the free Odyssey app. Download it
1: today. Brought to you by Value Home Centers. For the do-it-yourselfer in you.